Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I sit down with Mr. Phil Roberts. Phil's the CEO at Payload. Payload's a Calgary tech startup, two years in the making, that focuses on the digitization and the insights that can be provided through full transparency and data collection of your transportation logistics. Phil's one of those interesting CEOs that I love to talk to because he can speak the tech and really help us understand the role that digitization is playing, specifically in creating transparency and insights for companies, large and small, right through to some of the philosophical side of the mindset that we need, not only as Western Canada, as Canadians, but as Calgarians, to understand how we need to think about things differently to broaden our opportunities for a better horizon. Join me for a good old-fashioned chat with Phil Roberts. All right, well, good morning and welcome, Mr. Phil Roberts, to the podcast. How are you, Phil? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I am really good. And we've been having a good preamble here, kind of getting into the groove. I'm sitting, enjoying this sunny. I was saying to someone the other day, I think I've said this already too many times on the episode. Isn't this nice knowing at least that the weather's getting better? Imagine going into this thing and then, you know, we are in the middle of this COVID crisis still getting near the end, maybe hope. Imagine though, if this was November, that would be a whole darker horizon to look forward to versus uh, sunny springtime. Yeah, we were just talking about that actually at dinner last night with the uh, with the family. And uh, if this was, you know, Christmas was just finishing going into January and not Ooh, knowing what the future looked like and, and, and facing January and February. I think, I think that would be a little bit harder to take. It's kind of nice right now to get up early, have the sunshine and go for a run and, uh, and feel at least like you're going outside. Uh, yeah, hundred. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, a little hope goes a long way, and the sun and hope go together really closely for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's really important for uh, for getting perspective. Yes, absolutely. Well, Phil, you are CEO at Payload, so let's just start. Let's just start there. I'm going to be super honest. I don't know a lot about what you guys do. That's the fun of this podcast. I get to meet exciting people and learn about what they do. But maybe walk us through payroll, and then we'll get into the economy and being a tech startup and that all that fun stuff. Yeah, I'll give you the, the, the quick update on, on payloads. So we're, we're cloud-based solution. We're digitizing the logistics uh, industry, so um, mostly around trucking in the energy sector. So all the movement of goods, whether it be sand, gravel, oil, uh, condi, uh, water, all of the material that's needed for the production of energy. And okay. uh, we've, uh, we've developed a platform that connects the parties uh, involved in all of that transaction. So you got the, the energy companies themselves that are that are producing and, and processing the energy. You've got the companies that are moving the goods, the trucking companies, uh, the logistics uh, companies as well. And then you've got the disposals, wherever that is, whether it's treatment for environmental, or it could be a water well, or it could be a battery, it could be a pipeline, it could be wherever the, the, the product ends up. And we bring all of those three parties onto the same platform so that they can not just share the data, but get mm-hmm. insights that otherwise are just not available. So it's really using that um, uh, innovation in the last, you know, the idea isn't new, but but I'd say in the last five to 10 years, you've seen this shift in companies go from, I want to optimize my logistics operations. I want to make it more efficient by digitizing what I do manually today. And it's quickly wrapped, moving to a, um, I want to take that data and I want to use it to make better decisions, if not predictive decision making uh, before uh, events occur, all the way to just describing my business so that I can look at the information and uh, be, be more responsive in the moment. So that's the platform that we've developed and, and we provide right now in, in the industry. So bringing all the data together in one place so that yeah. one accuracy, does this create a bit of a ledger? Is it also working in that world where everybody can see transparency between or is it more, I don't want to say more or just about data collection? Does it bring in, because I've had some companies on talking about blockchain and the, the ability to kind of create that immutable record between between companies that facilitate payment, transparency, those things, or is it more about collecting the data to then get the insights, like you said? Well, yeah, so transparency is actually the key word. So it starts with collecting the data. So the data collection is the front end. And that's the part that's um, like you just got to collect the data, right? Whether it be a field capture app on the phone uh, or input from um, uh, uh, an actual um you know, dispatcher in the office or in the accounting system. So you got all this front end piece that's happening, that's collecting the data. Then you have the work that's happening over time with multiple parties and the transparency across 
all of them is is the key, right? That's what's been missing. So just imagine a very simple transaction where you have a reconciliation at the end of the month. Um, I asked you to do this work. You did this work. Now here we are at the end of the month. Did you do the work that I asked you to do? Does it fit within my estimates, my budgets? Like all of those little micro decisions that happen along the way. So transparency is key, uh, not just for the accuracy, but for uh, decision making and cost control. Like it's that's what that's where the efficiencies live. Um, the the ledger you bring up that's an interesting one. You know the blockchain is uh, uh, an, the distributed ledger and mutable data has a role in all of this, but I would say in a lot of cases. Um, trust is not necessarily the issue, right? So trust of the quality of the data. I mean, do you trust that a driver said or did what he says he did? Um, That's one thing. But if you put the data in the system and and it's, you know, 30 cubes of water, um, it's 30 cubes of water. No one's going in there and changing it to 28, right? There's just no mechanism to do that. So you kind of trust that that's what it is. Now, you might not trust that the input is accurate, but once it's in there, you do trust that the um, that, that the data is immutable to a certain extent. So okay. I think blockchain over time will come into our world. Um, and I always say, you know, we'll do blockchain right when nobody notices. That's kind of my measure for it. Um, but when you, I, I, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, it's, but where, it's working but, perfectly when you don't even know it's exactly, working. Exactly, <laughs> right? Like, you know, the implementation of a new system is, is, is well done when nobody notices that you actually did the switchover. Um, <laughs> but in, in the financial world where there is trust amongst the parties, um, you know, and land titles is a good example, financial systems is a good example, blockchain, I think, has a much better use case in the moment in those industries, right? Or real estate transactions, stuff like that, okay. uh, where you have parties that are not known to each other and are just known or contracted in the moment for that transaction. Whereas in uh, this yeah. world with, that we live in, we've got you know a very, a very robust uh, MSA, uh, procurement process, uh, relationships that exist. So I would see that right. just happening a little bit later. Right, because all that comes ahead of it, yeah, and then exactly. th- th- there's already a, a there's already a belief in trust, but the transparency then validates it over the longer term. Exactly. So really, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So. so for you guys, uh, with talking about trucking to like end users, all different sizes of companies that you were, would work with, it yeah. sounds like a lot of people yeah. are going to touch in that chain of events from small operators right up to the majors. Yeah, everybody in between. So okay. we've got um, everyone from sole operators, uh, single site. Okay. Um, to you know, a guy who owns a truck, all the way to uh, major uh, major transportation companies, uh, global logistics companies are using our system, and uh, as big an oil and gas company as you can find. So yeah, it's it's really built like the the need for transparency doesn't matter if you're moving twenty barrels a day or two hundred thousand barrels a day. It's it's sort of this. This really interesting thing where that level of transparency is the same in both cases because the transaction is the same, right? I I have to assign work. I have to do the work uh, to the same level of regulation, to the same level of compliance, to the same level of of corporate environmental standards, uh, whether it is 20 barrels or 200,000 barrels. And I have the same accounting at the end and I have the same shareholder uh, accountability. So all of that really isn't a factor of size. And this is where technology and cloud computing really comes in nicely is that scalability, right? Like you used to have uh, these systems where, well, just take like an SAP as an example, right? SAP is really the domain of large multinational companies. And then the smaller ones who need that robust system just don't have access to it because it's too expensive. It's enterprise. Yeah, the, yeah. There's the, the barrier was always if, you, if you're not this, so you, you can't you can't play in the space, yeah. which then limits big works with big, small works with small kind of thing. But technology exactly. is kind of the universal leveler, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it just provides access to new markets. So now you've got mm-hmm. uh, you have those small players that can compete. Well, not compete, but do business with 
the larger. Yeah, they, they can they can plug into the into they the matrix plug. almost. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> they can plug into the matrix. I've had some downtime watching some old movies, maybe over the over yeah, the over yeah, the, over, the, over the lockdown. So interesting, you said you know I, I love it. Like five to ten years ago, this wasn't even an option because technology wasn't there. Uh, you know, I noticed you guys have been around for the last couple of years. You know, obviously we're going to get into the 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 economy that we all are the pool that we're all swimming in right now. Yeah. Or you know, we're not an island. None of us. Has there been a drive like for okay? There's it's 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 now available, so let's do it. Or what did you guys see an opportunity around the push for? I need better data so I can therefore be more efficient with my decision making. Like ultimately, there's an end point that we always get to. Yeah, I want to know what's going on so I can be leaner, so I can be more efficient, so I can have less waste. Was that a driver for you guys? Just thinking about, let's be honest, our oil and gas industry was having challenges the last five years. We'll talk about from now moving forward, which is kind of another category, but just yeah. curious where you guys looked at the industry and say, wow, everyone's everyone's leaning in a bit harder, quote unquote, sharpening their pencil. This is the time we need to bring this technology to the table. Oh yeah. And you know, this goes back many more years. Like our, our founder is uh, David Workland, um, which people would know from, uh, from Terravita, CCS and a number of other companies. And he had this, this idea, you know, if you were to ask him the story, he would tell you it was in, uh, in Northern Alberta, he was in a parking lot and he saw these trucks that were moving half empty. And he's like, this is not optimal. Uh, I love, I love those origin, good origin stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it started. Right. And I think, uh, I recall 1984 as, as the date he was, uh, he was having that, that, uh, that observation. So way before all of this technology was available, but still it was that idea of inefficiency and and lack of transparency, right? What was happening in the field uh, would be a bit of horse trading, right? You would say, look, I need you to cut your hours, but okay, you're going to put in a couple of extra hours over here. And then there was that dependency um, and, and the whole system worked on trust and relationship. Um, as, as it still does, but you still, when you, when you went back to that reconciliation, you went back to your operations and said, we need to compete globally on a cost basis that, you know, is competing with a uh, cost basis in, in the Permian in, in Texas, um, or other places in the world, you have to seriously look at it and say, how do we make this more efficient? Uh, and without that transparency, you just can't come to that decision. So, um, fast forward a little bit, and uh, the technology started evolving where, uh, you know, you had it more on the servers, the mainframes, you can develop this technology and, and start compressing or processing the data and start making sense of it. But then you had a lag in time. It wasn't real time, right? And then fast forward again, and, and you get things like the, uh, like the iPhone that came out, smartphones that allowed data collection to be just seamless, right? It was just something you did. You didn't have to buy expensive machinery, lowered that barrier to collecting quality data. And then fast forward, you went into cloud processing and, and kind of here we are. Our customers, you know, to that question, go through a journey that, like we put into two categories. One is the digitization and the other one is the data insights. So in that digitization stage is where you say, I do this manually, I want to do this digitally, right? So that's really just purely saying, I'm going to do on my iPhone what I do on a piece of paper. Um, and that starts collecting data. And then you get the transparency and you, you say what I call micro or transactional decision making. So you're looking at, at, at a piece of information, you're making transactional decisions. Um, you know, is this truck going to the right location? Who's my most efficient service vendors? Are they meeting the health and safety standards that we've set? Those kinds of things. And then you move into that second phase, which is now the uh, descriptive and predictive uh, reporting, where you start saying, okay, what does my data show me? Where do I need to provide training uh, to my field staff so that we can improve efficiencies? Uh, where can I do real-time reconciliation and payment to my vendors so they don't have to wait 120 days to get paid? They can get paid the next day. So all of that kind of insight is where they're going. And a customer at any given time is somewhere in that journey, right? Some of them today are at the very beginning and they're saying, I just started my operations. I have a producing well. I now want to start digitizing and then I'm going to quickly move to insights. Some other customers are in the insight space and they say, look, I'm doing the AI, I'm doing the predictive, but I need better quality data. So I actually move backwards in some of my processes 
to go and collect the quality data. So it's interesting mix, right? That's where that's where our technology journey has taken us, and that's where our platform is is addressing all of the spectrum of of our customer base. And or. Everyone's on a different stage of the journey. Like you just said, you get to the end and you're getting the insights, but then all of a sudden you realize you need more robust data to go. It's it, there is a constant rinse and repeat kind of cycle yeah, of any time I've encountered this conversation. Always. So the last five years, obviously, there's been challenges from an economic perspective overall. Yeah. You guys are a tech startup, still playing in the energy space. How has the journey been for you guys? You know, thinking about the economy and thinking about you know constantly, you can't listen to the news even before COVID and hear about the, the, yeah. the economic transformation, which is a nice big buzzword of what's happening in Calgary. You guys feel like you're right kind of in the epicenter of a tech company, but still very related to the oil and gas. Well, obviously that's your, that's your customer base and you're also in, in Calgary. How's this whole economic transformation been for you guys? An opportunity challenges both <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. imagining. <laughs> Silence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Boy, that's, you know, it's an interesting one. This, this is really tough. Like we've had to make tough decisions uh, in our own company to reflect the, the market realities, right? Uh, the, the market has evaporated for uh, a lot of this demand in the immediate term. And in, in, in chaos, you have opportunities. And I think, uh, you know, an entrepreneur is, is delusional to a certain extent, right? They always see the, uh, the, the, the optimistic like, it, view. It's, it's a requirement. <laughs> it's a requirement, right? You, you, can't, yes. you can't look at what's going on in the market and say it's all bad. You have to see the opportunities. And so what, what we really see here, um, you know, in that journey I just described, what, what this crisis has caused is this rapid realization that technology is no longer just an option or a luxury. It's a necessity. Um, in the first couple of weeks uh, that everybody went and worked from home, we saw this paralysis in some of the uh, some of the layers of the organizations. Where uh, you know, if you have a paper bill elating, or you have three people that need to sign the actual invoice, it grinds I'll, to a halt. It grinds to a halt, right? And there's this realization, like, crap, I can't be in the office. I can't. I just can't physically. I've been on vacation before. I've had my delegate. But now I just physically cannot go into the office. Um, so what do we do? So that's the opportunity. That's the silver lining in all of this is it's drawn this incredible awareness that not just this technology is available, but it actually works, right? Um, how many stories do you hear of Zoom or Teams? And, you know, all of a sudden we're working, we're having meetings, we're doing things that we never would have done three weeks ago um, on on uh, on a virtual space. So at least it solves the answer of, I don't have to convince you that technology can solve a lot of these problems. That's, that's good. That's, that's 90% of my conversations, right? So there's the proof point. And on the outside of this, everybody will have gone through this journey and will have experienced technology firsthand from the uh, accounting, junior accounting clerk, all the way up to the, to the chair of the board have experienced technology in the same way. I think that presents an incredible opportunity uh, to accelerate the education in in the energy sector of where technology plays office technology not downhole technology that's always mm -hmm. been there yep. so so that's the silver lining in all of this and that's what we've seen transforming um, transforming the way people think and then as far as as a tech company in the energy sector which right now is pretty brutal um, <laughs> you know on yep. so many fronts but when you think about it, we come out on the other side of this. And for the Canadian energy sector, we have the most ethically produced and processed and distributed energy in the world. We have the highest standards that uh, we can export. Everybody, we have stable government. We have uh, energy that everybody wants. Uh, we, we are a major player and we have a role to play in the global energy space. So how do you make that efficient? Right? And, and, and it's going to be technology. And to be a part of that, um, to me, is exciting. That's what gets me up in the morning is, is say, look, there is a role for us to play. This is logistics. It's a piece of that big puzzle, uh, but it's an important piece. It's incredible amount of spend for uh, companies in the logistics space. It's a necessity. Mm -hmm. It's not going away. You still need to move goods. Um, but you can do it in, such a, in a much more efficient way and, and I think that's exciting. So the trick now is to build yourself enough runway to get through this 
retool, refocus the organization on, on the things that matter so that when the market starts coming back and this demand that's been created during this period and this education that's been given during this period, um, you can capitalize on, on the other side. No, I, I'm absolutely. It, you you want to be very cautious when you say you're you're bullish on this crisis, but you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, you kind of have to be, and you look for those like dig and yeah. dig and dig for those sil- yeah. those silver those silver linings. Yeah. Is there anything you, you, plan that, for you it. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But while while simultaneously still being a being a realist, because the yep. the world will not let you not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. no. Exactly. Your head in the clouds, you might fly into a mountain, but not to keep not to keep bringing in the runway and the plane analogies which we've kind of started <laughs> early on. Is there anything that you would see bubbling up? Like I do appreciate people like we've been living in a forced like experiment slash case study that leveled the the playing field. Hey, technology can solve these problems. Zoom does work. I don't have to be in the office to provide value. All those things. Is there anything you see from a Calgary perspective or even Canada? It's hard to talk about Calgary without talking about Alberta, without talking nationally as you very quickly were. We were all, this is the first time we've all been truly in it together from a crisis standpoint. Is there anything you that you see kind of bubbling to the top in terms of maybe is energy going to be looked at a little differently? Um, maybe I'm being optimistic with that question. <laughs> Canadian wise, yeah. like there has been a polarize. If you're pro energy, you're anti this, and if you're pro this, you're anti energy. Do you see any of those things changing in a way that might help us move forward with that positive, you know, Alberta, you know, Canadian energy story that you just shared? Well, I hope so. Um, you know, it is it is <laughs> it's so hard to predict what's going to happen, right? But you know, there's there's been such a fundamental shift in everything, every aspect of our lives, right? We were talking about um, even just the way that we spend uh, more time uh, with our families. That's got a that's got a positive impact. The conversations happening around the kitchen tables now that um, you know in in pre COVID were were not happening. Um, I'm optimistic about that. I think that's that's another thing that is changing the conversations, or at least the conversations are being had. Um, now, does that extend to those conversations being about the role of energy in the uh, in the Canadian economy in the global stage? Um, it does at our dinner table sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully, it does at other dinner tables. <laughs> it depends on the it depends on the dinner table. Yeah, there's a lot of conversations happening that are different right. than they were eight weeks ago, and that's going to lead to new thinking. Um, that's just what's going to happen, right? It's, I think it's going to give new perspectives that are going to come out. Um, I'm hoping it, it puts a lot, of, um, a lot of these debates to rest, a lot of these polarizing um, conversations that have been happening uh, to rest. We can get past it and actually look at the future as uh, how do we rebuild? How do we rebuild, get out there and do this properly? Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I have some optimism about it. Uh, are we going to get there? I really hope so, but I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think for, for, for Calgary as a whole, we have, and we've always had, but we have, the, we have all of those ingredients here. We have, we have the right people. We have entrepreneurs. Uh, we have knowledge in science. We have food safety entrepreneurs. Some of the stuff happening in that space is pretty incredible, mm-hmm. and it's happening here in Calgary. Ag tech, data science, logistics, like we have all of the ingredients. Um, we have stable government. We have um, fairly good public policy, um, and I'll expand on that in a minute. But we have all of the ingredients here for us to, uh, to create that change and, and I think uh, have a bright future. It's definitely a theme that comes across on the show and the guests that I talk to. And the whole one of the main reasons the drivers why this why I even created this was to get those conversations out because there is a lot of great things that are mm-hmm. happening that I think a lot of Calgarians just don't know about. You just you know if you're not in that sector or you don't yeah. pay attention to that world, I think that we are notoriously not great at telling our own stories. We're we're too busy putting our head down and getting, <laughs> just getting shit done. Yeah, that's, that is true. Yeah, we're grinders, <laughs> right? Like we grind. Absolutely, and, uh, we don't put our heads up sometimes and brag a little bit about the stuff that. that well, that's we, maybe. Canadian, that's an overall yeah, pretty much it, yeah. So in your experience, you know, as a tech company in the energy sector, this isn't about all roses and sunshine and opportunities. Is there anywhere where we're getting in our own way? Is there anything that we should, you know, there's kind of the start doing, stop doing? Is there anything that you see from a, you know, we'll speak of Calgary very specifically right now, anything that you've even encountered in the last couple of years? Yeah. You're like, man, we're, we're putting in roadblocks for ourselves that we shouldn't or that we, man, we got to get our heads out of our whatever and get around this, this, this belief structure that's holding us back, either a physical thing or even just a mindset. Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, two quick things. One, right, our mindset, like let's stop, not, let's stop thinking that we can't do something. 
<laughs> there's there's a lot of time, well, you know, we're not San Francisco, we're not Houston, we're not Denver, we're not Chicago, we're yeah, but we're Calgary and we're we're Alberta, damn it. And we <laughs> we can like do that. this. We just gotta get out of our, our own way on that one. Um, but you know what? The policy piece is interesting because although we have good policy, like I think public policy in general, and I'm not a policy wonk, I'll I'll leave the experts decide on that one. But from my perspective, I think we have in general good policy. But the problem we have in the tech sector is we're competing against policy focused on the energy sector mm, and okay. agriculture, right? So you got these two beasts that are sitting there that are just like massive and super important. And and this goes to my definition of diversification. So too often I've heard diversification be be explained as you know, let go of this industry and start moving into that industry. Um, but my definition of diversification is continue with this industry and add a new industry, right? Keep adding to it. So we do energy, we do forestry, we do resources, we do agriculture. Let's do tech, right? Let's open up another front. And in the tech sector, we compete against policy geared towards uh, the traditional industries, the physical industries. And we're really dealing in intangibles here. And that needs a completely different environment, right? It, it's uh, it, like, I'll give you an example. I was talking to a policymaker late last year, and um, he was asking about our business, telling him what we do and saying, yeah, we're a startup. We just got funding and we're growing and, and we're scaling. We're building out the, uh, you know, our technology to go into these markets. It's all exciting. And he says, well, that's great. You must be so excited about the uh, tax reduction that's been announced by uh, by the government. And I kind of looked at him really weird because it's 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 a lack of understanding what a tech company really needs. And I, so I, I said to him that, well, as a, as a startup, um, we deliberately have a negative net income uh, because we're going after market share, not cash flow um, in the early stages. Then we're going to scale. So our second round of investment that we're going to get is going to focus on market capture, uh, which is, again, going to drive a negative income. Um, so we're not going to be profitable according to our plans for, you know, three to five years. And then we're going to have all the carryover uh, from the previous years. So call it seven to ten years, we're probably not going to pay any corporate taxes. So so for the next decade, that that policy has no impact to my business. Right. And I've heard that same like that. That's yeah. that, that would be relevant if we were making any money to not pay taxes on. Yeah. <laughs> the well, and that's one. the thing, and it's not like yeah. well, we're not making any money because we're on, on um, you know, because we can't make our business go. It's we're not making money because that's not the point in this stage, right? The stage yeah. is to have a valuation so that you can create a deal flow, and that's the nuance that's missing. I I see in public mm-hmm. policy and policymakers is you need an environment that says this ain't this ain't about the net income this is about this is not even about revenue really it's about deal flow it's about creating um, valuations for organizations based on market share it's um, vcs investing um, sophisticated vcs and we have some here in calgary and we need more uh, to invest in companies that are looking to grow their market share uh, to bring new ip uh, to market uh, fail, right? Like it's actually weird to say you want to build a bunch of companies to fail, but you need that failure as a way of 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 creating of keeping that IP locally in Calgary or in Alberta, mm-hmm. so that you have other entrepreneurs or those entrepreneurs creating more companies that create new IP that again just goes through that cycle, and then you have deal flow and you have valuations and you have exits and you have capital reinvested in technology. And it's a completely different environment than the physical world where you have assets that you buy, assets you produce, assets you sell, and then you reinvest in assets, right? So it's sort of like an inventory model versus this creative um, energy, uh, sorry, creative software IP type of model. Completely well, different. And as, as, as simple as something you can touch, see, or mm-hmm. like park on a lot versus something that exists in the ether. And there's two very different mindsets. And if you're used to one, the other is going to feel very foreign and, and, yeah. and vice versa, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's an interesting conversation. And sometimes, and you see the shift happening. And, and, uh, and look, I mean, it takes, you know, it t- I think it takes some getting used to, but um, intellectually, everybody gets it. Uh, I have those conversations very often. People understand it, but it, it takes some getting used to. 
Um, you know, I've had some conversations with in my previous life with investors and, and explaining cash burn, like, you know, you're burning cash because you, literally you're burning cash. Right? There's no asset. <laughs> there's no asset at the end. Uh, there's a bunch of code um, that might go in a USB, you know, key and a banker could put it in their drawers. Like there is no asset that you can go to the bank and uh, leverage for a loan. Uh, you're, you're really, yeah, you're selling against the future. Like you're you selling versus, against the future. Versus, against the versus something I can walk out and yeah. tour your site and yeah. see all your heavy iron parked in a field somewhere. So it, it takes, you know, some, some getting used to. And, and this is, this is one of the things that um, attracted me to payload is our investors got that and they, they wanted to invest in that kind of model. Right. And, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of that happening around Calgary and, some of the guests you've had on this show have, have, uh, have gone through that. Um, but we need more. We need that deal flow. And is that, do you see it shifting? Like, you know, like five years ago versus now versus even what's happening in this crisis? Is that, is there people that are leaning in and saying, hey, I want a new model. I want to see a different future. So I'm willing to kind of almost park the way I've done it. Because, you know, there's a lot of, I've had a lot of guests on that said, you know, there's just a formula that this is the way we invest and this is the company mm-hmm. types of companies we start we invest in. But arguably, a lot of those companies are the ones that are struggling right right now in this in this time, yeah. this transition. Yeah, it's it's starting to change, and you need um, you know you need a couple of home runs right to to prove the point. And yes, everybody like, likes a good proof point. Yeah, like, you need the proof point. point exactly. Yeah. It's it's really hard. Again, I, conceptually, you understand it, but. If you can't point to a company and say, just like they did, um, then it really is hard. And, you know, the Benevides, the Solium, that's good. Those are companies that are making the point. Um, and you've got a lot of growth. And what's happening with the, uh, you know, uh, Creative Destruction Lab is, is again, creating that environment. What's going on at Platform is is creating that physical space. So I was, was going to ask happening. which ones you were involved with because they definitely come up in different in different groupings. Yeah. And you know, but before I started doing this, I didn't really know much about a lot of those platforms. And when you start to get into that world, the people that know about them do, but there's still a big... I think cross section of Albertans that don't know about some of those programs that are here that I think are doing great things yeah, for companies on all different size. So have you been through? Are, are you a guys a C, are you a CDL company? Uh, no, we didn't go through CDL. Um, okay. Involved on the peripheral, uh, I would say personally, but um, like on the far peripheral. But um, okay. I was part of Zone Startup, uh, which was a GE Baker Hughes uh, at the time mm-hmm. at, that uh, that was doing that an incubator. Uh, that was my time at Venturi. I was on the board of the uh, Calgary Chamber, which, um, you know, for 100, over 130-year-old organization, it's, um, it's, it's still relevant and reinvents itself to, to, to support the business community. Um, so that's been really interesting. I'm on the board of Platform now, um, it, which, is, uh, which is building more of the physical space to bring, mm-hmm. um, to bring that creative, uh, the creative group together. And, and you, I know you have Terry Rock on here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited what they're doing. It's pretty amazing. Even, even, the, even the impact it's going to have on that part of town yeah. alongside with the library. Like, I, I, yeah, Terry's great. That guy's just, yeah, uh, speaking, speaking of the guy who's got energy for days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Incredible community builder. Um, yeah, and uh, part of Intergen as well. I'm on the board of that. And uh, Intergen's an interesting one. Like to me, that there's a Calgary. Uh, that's come up. That's come up a couple times. I was uh, talking. Yeah. I had Mary Moran on uh, last Friday. I haven't aired it yet. But yeah. she brought up Intergen and kind of walked me through it. I, it's come up like three times in the last two weeks for me. So it's definitely on my radar. Oh, I, yeah. And, and you should, right? And and uh, Sandy would be great on the show or, or any one of the oh, characters perfect. that are involved with that. Because yeah. the um, to me, it's a it's a this is what I love about Alberta. This is what I love about Calgary is we look at a problem and we say, you know how we're going to solve this problem. We're going to solve this problem. We're not going to have somebody else solve our problem. And, and we actually put resources together and, and you know, it's the Jim Gray's and the Brian Fileski's that, that really had this idea of saying, we've got a generation that has gone through um, their own cycle, right? They've gone through their own cycle of boom and bust. They've gone their, through their own mul- cycle. Mul- mul- multiple, multiple based on our, our, our history. Yeah. Multiple. Um, multiple. They've seen and built, in fact, um, most of them have built what this province is. And you take all of that collective knowledge, you take all of that know-how and experience. And, and again, this is what I love about Calgary. And they say, we're going to go to the next generation and we're going to help them. Like just like that, right? We're just going to help them. We're going to make ourselves available. We're going to match um, the people that have been through everything with the people that are just about to go through everything, and we're going to create this this knowledge share 
Um, but by the way, we're also going to put our capital behind it and fund some of these organizations. So we're not going to just, uh, it's not just going to be time-based, not just going to be telling stories, but it's actually going to be investing in the future of these companies. Um, Calgary-based, Alberta-based, and and really making a bet on the talent that we have here. So it's a great story, right? It's, it's a great catalyst and a part of what we need uh, in the province um, as well as those VCs that are based in San Francisco and Chicago to also set up office here and the ones in Toronto and in Vancouver. But I love that there is a, a group of Calgarians and Albertans that are saying, we're going to solve this problem um, starting with us. And, uh, and that's what they're doing. And they're putting money and, and resources behind it. There is a sense of community here. You know, I grew up back east, as you and I were talking about in small town. It's not. It feels the same. Like you know, you know, you know who needs help, and you show up to help them when they need it, and they help yeah. you. And there is a little bit. I had uh, Guillermo Salazar from uh, on, and he kind of said, you know, we need to get back to that pioneering days when it's when it's your turn when you're getting your barn built. We're all going to show up and build your barn, yeah. and then we'll go yeah. and help you build yours. And we, this whole barn building analogy, and I do yeah. love that about Calgary. And you're right. I think we do have we do we have all the ingredients to bake the cake. Yeah, we do. Something you said that I'm curious about. Are you seeing, are you seeing more and more uh, companies from Toronto, Vancouver, the Valley coming into Alberta, like bringing money in, going, "Hey, what's going on here? Is there opportunities? What's the community look like? Is is there a movement?" I, I had Danielle Tori on, and she talked about even some of the shows that she did three years ago when she got the "What is a Calgary?" kind of you know, quote unquote, versus now people going, "Yeah, I have a little more idea who you guys are, what you're about." Or are you mm-hmm. seeing? that move in the direction you think it needs to? Well, I think ah, never fast enough and never enough. Uh, you know, companies like... <laughs> Spoken like a true entrepreneur. Right, so. right. Um, uh, yeah, that know, could be... How about tomorrow? Can we get that going on like right now? Yeah, tomorrow would be good. <laughs> tomorrow afternoon uh, at the latest. But the, uh, you know, companies like Builders and Evoke and, and that coming from outside, I think seeing the opportunities here is is um, is a big testament the to, to what we have in the opportunities. You know, wh- where where I think, how I think we know we will have gotten to where we want to go is when companies that have no links to companies set up or no links to Calgary set up ah, in, in, okay. in Calgary, right? When, when you, like right now, I would say by and large, um, and it's not in every scenario, but by and large, um, the companies that are from outside of Calgary are here because there's some connection to Calgary, right? There's somebody that went you got to check out this spot. It's got talent. It's got potential. It's going through a, an incredible amount of change. Um, but that's where the opportunities are getting it, get in at the ground floor. So it will be when, you know, you're on the radar of these companies that have multi-billion dollar funds um, and say, Calgary's where we want to be. Alberta's where we want to be because that's where they, they've created this incubation um, of, of tech companies. And that's where the action is. Um, right now, we're sort of in this phase of angel VC type money or early stage money, mm-hmm. um, maybe up to round A, A round type of funding. It's the it's the companies or the VCs that are going to be putting in the twenty, thirty, hundred million dollar investments that are um, that are needed. That's what we need for the next stage. We need to okay. get those companies for, for, here. For that, for that next wave, not that. Yeah. Because right now it's been more the startup money, the seed capital. Seed getting capital things around it. Who's yeah. going to take it to that next? Exactly. Back to you talked about that seven to 10 year cycle of going through of, you know, building the functionality, then building scale, then, you know, just being able to carry you through all those phases, which are basically in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Short, short, short. Yeah. Long haul, multiple rounds, uh, scale. And like, you, you know, you, the, the, the typical Calgary story that, that you hear a lot is, uh, you know, build up a company and, you know, sell it for 10 million and sort of rinse and repeat. And you see that happening. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Believe me, if, uh, if, if, if I could do it, I probably would. Um, the, um, <laughs> if you someone know, was at your door with a, with, uh, a, with a dump truck of money, you'd be okay. You, you'd be okay with that. But, but yeah, no, but I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yes, but that, the, is a, that is a common story that's been yeah. the cycle. In and, and that's where the Solium, the Benevities are really helping build this story for Calgary is, is showing like, no, you don't need to cash out when you hit 10 million or 20 million. You, you hang on, you build, you continue, you get that market share. You can do it from here. And you can get that billion dollar valuation. And that's, that to me is, is the next stage of our story is getting into that phase. We did, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put it into phases here, but 
I'd say, ten five years ago, in the first five years we had, so over the last 10 years, in the first five years, we had this emergence of startups, right? Like you, you had pre-2015, you had a bunch of companies that were taking advantage of, of the capital that was flowing when oil was at $100 to go out and, and build and VCs, and then 2015 hit, and you had um, Startup Calgary, and you had um, uh, the, the CDL setup shop, and you sort of created this ecosystem of startups, and Rainforest was another one that was in there, mm-hmm. and, and that was great. And then you started uh, building through that, and over the last three to four years, maybe three years, you started hitting the scale issue, um, where companies said, okay, I have my startups, but if I want to scale, I need to leave Calgary. So Intergen and Platform, the Chamber, and um, and, um, and uh, CED started addressing the scale-up issue. And now we're addressing the scale-up issue. And then the next phase will be growth, which is those rounds of financing that we were just talking about. Ah, I th- I've never had anyone break it out like that. I've talked to... I think people through that whole chain of events, whether it's companies that have been involved in it or uh, the, the individuals that have been involved with those uh, different different organizations that you mentioned. But interesting to think about now in the growth phase and back to policy or maybe municipal, federal. Mm-hmm. Where do you see? Where do you see? Like, what do you see if popping up around around those? Now that we're in this growth phase, what's that going to take, or what types of groups need to be around the table, or is that those VCs coming in from out of market? Like again, what's going to fuel that that third round? that you mentioned it's, that's an exciting yeah, round it is an exciting you, round. you had me you had me at growth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> growth is exciting uh, it's a combination i think it, it is those vcs but you're right you need the right uh, policy environment uh you need to have the right programs in place and and it's not necessarily um in the same form as that physical world right where you uh you know you fund the plant and then over the course of 20 years uh the government makes back its money through taxes and and payroll and things like that um it's, you know, things like Shred. Shred is incredibly important for startups. I mean, it's, it's been for me payroll, right? I've, I've actually needed Shred for payroll and thank God that the check came in on Tuesday because payroll was on Thursday. Um, uh, the, the true entrepreneur story. Oh, it was my, my, my buddy says, you're, you're an entrepreneur when you've been on your floor in your kitchen shaking because you weren't sure if you were going to make payroll the next day, but somehow you, you, met, you found a way. <laughs> Sounds dramatic, but I think Sounds we've dramatic. all been there. Once. And the beauty about Shred is, Shred is not, um, uh, you know, it's not, um, uh, uh, what's the right way to describe it, but, but Shred is, is in return for, um, for innovation, right? Like Shred isn't just yeah, a, it, it, it's, it's quote unquote rewarding. Yeah, it's not the, a right beha- the right type of behavior. Exactly, yes. right? It's like, no, I tried this and failed and built something better, built something new, have a better database, a better speed. Like there's actually a very rigid description of what that innovation needs to be to qualify. So it's not a grant. It's 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 actually innovation happening at its rawest form, right? It's truly our it's, it's getting compensated for something yeah. you did that that's fit a certain need, criteria. Because that's where the ideas come from. So so shred, you know that kind of environment, also for investors who are taking risks um, in in capital. So they're putting their own capital in there and having an environment where that capital, uh, like th- here's what I always say: it's like you know, there's a lot of ways to de-risk the innovation um, through a lot of these programs, but there's also the de-risking of the adoption that's overlooked. And if you can, I've had a few guests that's come yeah. on that have said that we, we don't do anything to help bridge that gap yeah, to allow that's the, the innovators to partner with industry, but mitigating everybody's risk exactly. along the way. Exactly, and that's what growth needs, right? So for for my company to grow. I need to have a market. And if you want to solve my cash flow issue, give me a market. <laughs> that's, that's, I don't need more capital. I need a market. And that market um, has risk. And in a highly regulated environment like the energy sector, uh, change equals risk, period. And, and you might have the best technology, but there's always this risk element of, well, you know what? This paper-based uh, manifest that I need um, you know, is, is, has been proven for the last 100 years kind of hard to move to a digital manifest. Well, that's a, that's a federal government regulation. And we're working with Transport Canada right now to, to help bridge that gap. But once that regulation changes, uh, because it will, now you're going to have a whole industry that says, I don't need paper anymore for my manifest. So the movement of dangerous goods can all happen digitally. And those are, that's just an example of, of removing those barriers at a policy level that has a direct impact to de-risking the adoption of the technology that 
we sell. So, so that's that's where I think growth uh, needs both the combination of of, uh, of investment from from shareholders and VCs and and all of that capital piece, but you also need the policy environment that uh, where where the technology can thrive. And and do you see that like from a, speaking of Alberta, is that a provincial? Is it municipal? Is it sub federal? Or is it really a combination of all three laddering back to to make that a requirement, but also a necessity? Yeah, both, provincial and federal. Yeah, provincial okay. and federal. They both play a role. Municipal will be more around space um, because the policymaking they have is is limited. Right, the the yes. way that right, cities are creatures of the province. Um, taxation is is at a provincial level. Uh, administered at, at the municipal level. Um, so they have decisions that they can make and things like that. But the policies I'm talking about around innovation is provincial and uh, federal. And then the mm-hmm. city has an equally important role to play in placemaking, right? Bringing together um, uh, the, 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 the right type of innovation and the right type of people. So education, for example, attracting people to the city, like what you said, you had Mary on the, on the show and, um, mm-hmm. you know, CD, what they do to, 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 to market Calgary to the outside world and bring the talent here has been incredible and um, helping define what the universities uh, need to uh, need to, to, to create the next generation of, um, of uh, educated workforce, right? Where, where does that go? So that's at a municipal level that happens in our city. And then things like platform, right, and CMLC and uh, East Village and all of that placemaking is equally important to uh, to innovation. Uh, you need to get those areas where serendipity can happen between yes. uh, yeah. the artist community and the tech community coming together in, in the same area. And there's inter- there's little pockets of that definitely happening in Calgary from De- I, Tina Mathis was on at Kalea Carrington, like some yeah. interesting people that are all coming at it from a slightly different, but all kind of gravitating. When I talk, if you talked, when I talk to the guests long enough, we all tend to circle around that same, like, yes, it's a chain of events, but you know, what happens on the ground and, you know, back to the old Steve Jobs of put the bathroom in the middle so everyone has to bump into each other. There's a little bit of that that we need to create in our city as well, which I know is what Platform is doing a little bit there. Yeah, exactly. It is that kind of thing, right? And Platform is is doing that, right? The library is another one, right? And yes. um, I'm involved in uh, in another company that was effectively incubated in that library. Like that was, oh, that was the starting oh, office well, a space, right? I, I get inspired just by walking into that yeah. building. <laughs> Yeah, so let's not discount these traditional organizations that are like, oh, library, public libraries. Wow, what does that have, you know, a, a place where books that's good. Live. That's good advice. Don't discount Don't it. Don't discount it. Man. Like, yeah, yeah. That transformation, what the city did with the libraries, that was uh, that was a gutsy move at the time. And I remember speaking with the CEO, um, uh, Bill, at the time and, and, and his vision for it. And you kind of looked at him going, that is a bold vision. So let me get this straight. You're going to build a big building that's going to have almost no books in it. <laughs> and you're going to call it a library. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm in it just cause it sounds, you know, so far out there in what people would traditionally think is a library and, and look what it's represented, right? It's now a, uh, a placemaking location where you have creative ideas and groups, uh, meeting and inventing the, the future. So great. We need more of that. It's amazing how many things that we love now were just someone's hairbrain scheme not that long ago. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's everything. Every, yeah, yes. Everything yes. worth anything, anything worth talking yeah. about. No, you're 100% right. So, hey, well, question I like to ask guests, and you've, you've hinted at a little bit just talking about how we bring together, but is there any industries that if you had a choice to take, I'm going to take this industry and this industry, I'm going to put them in a room together because, man, I think they can learn from each other, but maybe they're not doing it as much as they, or maybe they are, but you know, we're going to lock, we're going to take them to the library. We're going to get, we're going to reserve a room. We're going to lock the doors. We're going to put them in there with some sticky notes, some, some whiteboards or whatever, whatever, whatever fun stuff they want. Oh yeah. And who would you who who would you bang together? Who who would you who would you put on an island together for Hands the weekend down. knowing that something explosive would come? Absolutely. It would be uh it would be the the creative community and the tech community. Ah, okay. Absolutely right you put those put those in a room any day and and just watch what comes out. Um I had the privilege of uh of being involved in C space uh down in Martelloop. Uh, during the whole uh, construction. Oh, you're, 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 I'm two, I live two blocks. I just, I live just up 29th. I go by that space all the time. Yeah. So very, sorry, you, you just touched me close to my heart. There I literally live two blocks up the street from there. Look at that. We're both from Montreal. It's an amazing, and, it's an amazing space. Yeah, I yeah, know. Our, our circles are, are close, but uh, what a great <laughs> building, right? But again, that was a crazy yes. idea. And, and uh, yes, I remember first seeing it when 
when it was all fenced out and uh, the building, we hadn't bought the building yet. And uh, you had all this grass and it wasn't really close to the Marta Loop Center and it wasn't close to downtown and all the residential area around there was like, what, what are you going to do there? And, and it doesn't sound like a great idea to look at it now. Um, it's got a market. Well, yes, yeah, some, some of the neighbors I know were a little right. bit riled up about the whole concept, actually. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. So anyways, my, yeah. I digress. But my story on that was um, that's mm. really where, and there, there you go, another link to Terry Rock. Um, but that's where the um, I really saw the serendipity happen, right? Sort of this curation of, of talent that combined visual arts with makers and inventors and storytellers and you just had this whole environment that that just breed bred uh creativity and and really when you look at the tech sector you look at a developer it's really just an introvert introvert artist like they, they, <laughs> yes <laughs> these guys who, who, who channeled through the computer that's right and my son yeah. my son is a developer so i come by it on that observation honestly but, <laughs> um, but that's what they do they create they create in a non-physical world with very few rules and structures they can invent whatever they want they can bend the rules as much as they you want can, yeah you can you can bend the fourth dimension if you want great right? and they they don't make a lot of money and they they all have passion projects like that applies to that's technology, that's entrepreneurship, um, that's what artists are, that's what developers are, that's what the tech community is. So if you if you could you know wave a wand and put them all in the same area, whether that be the East Village or the Rivers District, mm-hmm. or you know, and, and I think platform physically is is starting to be the epicenter of that with the library, um, then you start creating this this group of of just ideas that are starting to exchange and and. I think you see it in a lot of other cities as well, whether it be San Francisco and New York and uh, even Copenhagen or, or um, mm-hmm. uh, Tokyo, oh, Toronto's Toronto. Custom, yeah, you, yeah, right? Those are the ingredients do. that you see coming up again and again and again. So yes, there's the business side of it, the VCs, and you need to have the investors, the board members, and the, the clients. But I think the, the foundation is the creativity. And uh, to me, that's one thing that um, that those are the two groups I would absolutely bring together. Oh, I love it! That sounds like a good party as well. I think it'll be a lot and of, a of, hell of interesting a party. stuff. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Oh man! Yeah, no, you got to you got yeah you throw in, you got to throw in fun as a key ingredient to all creativity <laughs> in my mind. But. Yeah, I think so. Um, Bill, I really appreciate your insights today, and you know your journey of like from the guy who's doing it, but also I really appreciate the optics you have, and obviously clearly how involved you are in 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 the community, which is the thing that again I've lived in Calgary twenty years, but just the level of engagement and the level of buy in that people have for this community, and just how much we all love it, and that's why we're here. that ingredient alone is is the cornerstone to take us forward, and it just keeps coming up constantly, yeah. and it always makes me proud every time I have one of these conversations. Yeah, I'm I'm humbled by it every day. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's a nice that's a nice way to live. Yeah. What's the best way for if someone was so inclined and they wanted to get a hold of you, have a chat, maybe learn some more about payload? What's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, LinkedIn is the best. LinkedIn is the best. That's my okay. my central dashboard for for connections. So yeah, it's a uh, it is a, it feels like it's what. Nice. Uh, I'm sitting. I'm staring at your page, and as 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 we chat, it still it does still feel to me like one of the social media platforms that really kind of hasn't jumped the shark in terms of just gone down. It's still a really useful tool that doesn't feel like Facebook or or Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> It's I don't feel guilty when I when I go when I get off of using it. So that's a whole that's a whole another conversation. <laughs> How much time did I just waste looking at what? <laughs> oh, I've had my moments on LinkedIn. <laughs> yes, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it, yeah. Can, be, it can be a rabbit hole. It is, it, it is an awesome tool. Well, I encourage anyone to reach out. This was a fantastic. I really enjoyed our our, our conversation uh, today. Feel your perspective and just the honest. Like I can just really feel how you know connected you are to this community and and being part of its success going forward. And that's exactly. I think that is the that's back to the ingredients. We've got the ingredients. We've got the people. And I'm interested to see how this thing plays out. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Tyler. I really enjoyed it. That was my absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Bye-bye.